Why would you want to let maybe half that nitrogen go up into the air when you can get it into the soil and, and keep it there for crop growth? You know, it'd be madness. You, you wouldn't go spilling half a, you know, half a bag of fertilizer and wasting chemical fertilizer. It's the very same, it's a valuable resource. So I suppose to summarize, use it wisely and target it, as you say, to the fields that really need it. And I think that's what Don is doing really well here on his farm. A couple of weeks ago, Chagas held a farm walk on Don Summer's farm in Wexford. Don is a tillage signpost farmer and is leading the way in taking the complexity within farming and putting it into practice on his farm. Following on from last week's episode, this week I chat to Kieran Hickey, a Chagas tillage advisor about cover crops, but I first talked to Martin Burke, a Chagas advisor about organic manures and how Don is getting the best out of this valuable resource. Since 2020, Don has been taking in a lot of organic manures and something I just saw earlier was his phosphorus, his average phosphorus on the farm back in 2010 was four parts per million and it's now about seven parts per million. And his average potash has gone from about 110 to about 180. So certainly I would say the introduction of the organic manures has helped to build the fertility on the farm, which is wonderful. But, uh, but the other thing is, as you mentioned there, the word savings. And uh, what I'm going to present today is some work that I was involved in in 015 and 16 on poultry manure, using it and showing how you could make significant savings. And you could directly replace your chemical fertilizer with the poultry manure. And similarly, the Nutri to Cycle project, which is a four-year project, and we have proven on that now over four years of cropping. So the same plots get the same organic manure each year. The only thing that changes is the crop in that field. And in each of those four years, we had maize, we've had spring wheat, we've had oilseed rape and winter wheat, and there's been no significant difference where you substitute in a well-balanced program. You tailor it up and you substitute maybe up to half of your your um, total requirement with organic manure instead of chemical and you know it does the job. And I know Martin it's maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's not the right question but to a degree it might be on some farms who have access to an awful lot of organic manures. Mm. Is there a limit on the amount that can be taken in onto a farm? Yeah well she is still everyone is governed by the nitrates directives so you have to stay within the 170 kilograms of organic N per hectare on your total uh, hectare on the whole farm and this is where you just need to observe carefully that you're not going over that and especially if you're a mixed farm because you need to take into account the organic end that the livestock are so you you need to know your organic your total organic end already what it is if you've mixed farm if you're purely tillage it'll all be coming from the organic manure that you import and you just need to stay within it um, and you know that's effectively it Michael you can't, I suppose you it might can't be I often heard a case that it's it's often the phosphate that's more limiting than the nitrogen yeah, the in, 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 in the first place yeah, it depends on then the organic manure you see so some of the organic manures would be higher in nitrogen and phosphorus and some would be maybe higher in phosphorus versus nitrogen and so on so you need to know so if we take for example you know and, and actually as my previous job as, an, as a, a conventional tillage advisor, I would have had to do a lot of nitrates records and inspections over the years. And the ones you would watch very carefully or where people were perilously close to the limit was phosphorus. So I think it's just to watch the phosphorus levels. And it goes back to knowing what's in your organic manure. No two manures are alike. And so that's, that's the challenge with organic manures maybe versus chemical fertilizer. You, when you buy, for example, a ton of 10, 10, 20, you know how much MP and K is sitting there in the yard. When you get in 20 tonne of poultry manure, you're not 100% sure unless you get it tested. Mm. And there is differences. We've seen that in the, in the trial work over the years. And uh, it's important to get, the, get it tested. And, and yeah. for, for growers then who have access maybe to a more limited amount, is there, mm. 
is there areas or fields on the farm that they should be more targeting rather mm. than others? maybe, I mean, arguably, yeah. is convenience by the road, chuck it there and we'll throw it out in that field, or is it, does it yeah. need to be a little I'd, bit, little bit more say, thought about? I'd say traditionally that was the case and you just took it and uh, there was no great thought put into what field you put it in. So it goes back, like you're going to hear a lot today about precision management and, and a lot of people when they hear the word precision management, they think of technology. But my opinion, precision management starts with making precise decisions. This is where you start with your soil test, you see what the, the P and K you know, status of your ground is, and then you try to match an organic manure that'll, that'll tailor to that field. So if your field, for example, is maybe low in potash, that's an ideal one maybe for cattle slurry, which is high in potash. Similarly, if you're low in phosphorus, maybe if you're in an area where you can get dairy sludge, you target the dairy sludge, which is high in phosphorus. So it's, it's a, there's a lot of thought has to go into a good plan this is where you you know you want a good advisor to sit down with you and and tailor that organic manure plan to you know so that you can have it just right to balance so, up. So, so the starting point martin would be a really well done soil test uh up-to-date soil test on all your fields to know exactly where to go and exactly what to do yeah soil testing and then i would say if you are then getting in regular manures test them each each year as well to see you know what's in it yeah because diets can change if you're particularly if you're taking in poultry manure they could be on a different diet from you know from one year to the next or whatever and depending on what kind whether if it was layers or broilers even and what they're fed and that could very uh, that could change the phosphorus level big time in in the in the in the sorry in just, the dung just the last word and notes from from your um board here in front of me you have the word and you see it here incorporate within 24 hours how mm. crucial is that well, if you want to maximise the nitrogen, as in particularly, to stop the nitrogen escaping, volatilising, very important. You so know? the stronger the smell, so the str essentially the more nitrogen is going yeah, to be lost. Particularly with slurries, with cattle slurries, you know, uh, pig slurries, you want to get them incorporated as quickly as you can, but it applies to all. Because, uh, you know, why would you, uh, if, if, for example, there's, if, if, for example, if a tonne of poultry manure is worth 70 euros, of that 70 euro, 30 euros of that 70 could be nitrogen. Why would you want to let maybe half that nitrogen go up into the air when you can get it into the soil and, and keep it there for crop growth? You know, it'd be madness. You, you wouldn't go spilling half a, you know, half a bag of fertilizer and wasting chemical fertilizer. It's the very same, it's a valuable resource. So I suppose to summarize, use it wisely and target it, as you say, to the fields that really need it. And I think that's what Don is doing really well here on his farm. That's brilliant, Martin, thanks very much. No problem, Michael. I then walked across the field and caught up with Kieran Hickey a local tillage advisor, and asked him how Don is utilising cover crops on his farm. As Don said himself here, ploughing is not popular in this area here because we're in a slightly heavier soil type. And the plan is to, the, the main source of cultivation is non-inversion. So the cover crops here are really to keep the soil structure and to enable the ground to be cultivated the following spring. We're in a, a field of winter wheat stubbles here and you can see we have a good stand of phacelia and vetch that was sown on the 10th of August. Um, we have a mixture here of different types of sowing systems here just for the trial here today or for demonstration here today. But the main concept here is Don uh, tries the very minute the bales come off the field um, and before he would start harvesting that day or that out here straight away and get the cover crops sown. Um, he would like to roll them but really the sown date is more important than waiting for this perfect day to sow it. So in straight away, uh, in early. Now um, this year uh, he was sown the, the cover crops with a three metre disc and a cedar on the back but uh, 
with the expansion of cover crops on the farm, he's moved to a six meter, um, um, sorry, a five meter disc, and then he's coming in with a six meter drill, so on after. But the, the long-term plan is under Tam's tree is to get a cedar to mount on that five meter disc cultivator to enable a very fast establishment of cover crops. And as he said himself, the success to a lot of these, it's timing, timing, timing. Um, then the variety that's here today, which is Facilia and Vetch, is to enable oilseed rape to be grown in the rotation. Um, and we have different, just looking in front here, we have, Don has done a few, I suppose, mini trials, I suppose, here, yeah, really, or experiments yeah, here. Yeah. I see one in front of me here is direct drill, and there's another one over here where there's bale straw and direct drill. Yeah. Is there, what's the, is there, do we see any differences here between them yeah, all? Yeah, there is a massive difference. The main one to take, or the, the take home message is, where you have chopped straw, and you go in with the direct drill, you have less establishment, and even where it does establish the small, they're smaller plants. It looked good at the start, when the plants started coming up, they looked relatively even, but as the crop started to develop, um, the slug started into this one as well, where you had the direct drill into chopped straw. So that's really the main message here, is that the bit of tillage that you're doing with the disc is helping a lot. And if we look across, uh, there's a field across the road there, Michael, which was, um, also winter wheat but the difference here this was baled that was under the strong corporation measure and where the straw was disked in and then a good job done on the disking there was no ill effect of having straw chopping or not being in the straw chopping scheme but it really was the bit of tillage and the timing was getting that seed bed for the establishment. Better. So yeah. direct rail might be more suited to where you take the straw off, perhaps Absolutely. it's more a cleaner, yeah. a cleaner yeah. kind of soil. A cleaner thing, but I, I'd right. say, you know, he really wants to get back to the system of if he had that cedar on the disc cultivator, it'd be a one sweep and, and get it in, and then ideally get it rolled, but he's prepared to sacrifice rolling for getting it in maybe a week earlier or something like that because and of course that's always the difficulty you're trying to do that yeah. in the middle of harvest really yeah, yeah. and your your ideal time is what early august or mid-august somewhere around there and it's he realized that with a three meter cultivator which was a really good cultivator and a lovely cedar on it that yeah doing a great job but just not able to do it fast enough and he was um you know losing the the the, the, the kind of the speed effect there yeah. so, so don has a clear path in, in terms of what he wants to do to which is basically establishing as many cover crops as he can yeah uh, but a clear path in terms of the cultivation way he's going to try and get it established in as good a way as he can yeah like the, the facility is in here as a kind of a soil conditioner or to, to, to kind of keep that ground freed up so that when he comes in here in the spring the rotation here is this was winter wheat it's going to be spring malt and barley for next year in here one run uh, cultivate the field and and and, and sow it and really what the cover crop here is doing is enabling that to happen. Don is participating in the Burt Malt Earthworm Programme and as part of that programme they provided him with satellite imagery over the last five years of the farm and the interesting thing they came up with was that the over the five year period the farm has had a cover on the side here for three on an average of 327 days of the year. So really what's happening here is the obvious benefits would be from water quality in that soak out period but the other benefit is that the soil is always alive and that's really his aim that he was particularly happy and reassured by by, by that figure that that the system 
you know, would work because the, 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 the soil is getting so much root system in it. That's brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, time on that. I see a big crowd coming here shortly, so I'm yeah. going to leave you to it. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks. So that's it this week. And my thanks to Kieran and Martin for joining me on the show. Don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.